So good morning, everybody. So a question I have right away this morning is, who's jacked? For the, okay, good. For the older group, think of a car jack. It slightly elevates you, right? So we're like elevated. Who's elevated today? Okay, because you'll want to be. There's, not only are we starting off a new sermon series, we have a very special event happening here. First service was amazing. I'm glad you're all here. I, I want to welcome those who are online with us too. Uh, we're glad you're hanging with us, whether you're deployed, whether you're at home today, ill. We're just glad you're connecting in with us. To our guests, my name is Brian. I'm our lead pastor. I want to welcome you personally too. There's this Connect card. Well, when you came in, you got this cool thing. It's called our worship guide. And on the back, well, on the front, there's all these things going on, but there's this Connect card for our guests. If you would fill this out with just even an email, and you can drop it off in these boxes back by the door or go out to our welcome center, but we want to connect with you and make sure that you, if there's any questions we can ask, if you're visiting, looking for a church home, we want to connect with you. On the back, there are these sermon notes. We are starting a brand new series today called Why We Read the Bible. And so these are the notes that outline what we're going to talk about today. Encourage you to keep pace here and, and use those as you go through the week and go back to God's word Whew, so yeah, this new series, um, this one's been sitting on the shelf for a couple years. You know, we pray about it and wonder when's the time to introduce this. So this new sermon series, Why We Read the Bible, we're starting on today. We got six weeks because the Bible's that important. Six weeks, we're going to talk about why do we read the Bible. And the quick answer is we read the Bible to know. We read the Bible to know these six things. We read the Bible to know God. We call that the Bible's revelatory, reveals him. Second week we're gonna talk about we read the Bible to know our past and our future. It's so important we know the past of not only the church but God's word. It's also to know that there's a whole part of the Bible that hasn't happened yet and we're excited about that. It's historically and prophetically true. Week three, we're going to talk about we read the Bible to know truth. That's the foundation in a world that really, postmodernism, that doesn't know truth, we're going to talk about this and wrestle with, is the Bible the truth we still need foundationally for our lives? Week four, we're going to talk about why we read the Bible is to know ourselves. It's inspirational. While you read the Bible, it's reading you. Think about that. Week five, we're going to talk about we read the Bible to know the way. We're gonna talk about Jesus. It's directional. He's the story. He's the fulcrum of the whole Bible. The Old Testament points to him. The New Testament reflects on him. But we read it because it's directional. The last week, we're gonna talk about we read the Bible to know our purpose as a church now. There's a central thread from the very first chapter of the Bible all the way through, a central thread. The Bible is missional. So there we go. It's revelatory, it's historical, prophetic, foundational, inspirational, directional, missional. Who's Jack now? <laughs> well, if you're not, you're gonna get there, I'm sure, by the end of our six weeks. So here we go. I'm excited about this. The, um, so I wanna I want clear, let's, let's try to clear our minds here a little bit. I want you to think of a memory. I want you to think of that place in life as a kid that you love to go. The place in life as a kid, kids, if you're here today, like even the place you love to go, where you get jacked, like you get lit up, like this is my favorite thing to do, favorite place to be. Everybody grab on that. Those online, you can even like go on Facebook Live and type like here is my favorite place as a kid. Raise your hands when you got it. All right, I'm not waiting on the rest of you. We gotta keep going. 
One of my best memories as a kid growing up was the Platte River in Nebraska. Here's a picture of it. The Platte River uh, was a blast. I, I loved going there. I loved to fish. I loved to horse around. I loved to catch frogs. I watched out for snakes that were trying to catch the frogs too. At the same time, I, whenever I went to the river, I came alive. I wish I had a picture of me as a kid, how big I was probably smiling whenever I was out running around the Platte River. And it's a lot like the Kansas River. When we moved here, it's, it's still pretty similar and it has a very unique characteristic, the Platte River. The word is actually a French word that means flat. And so what was unique about the Platte River is there's places where it is literally hundreds of yards across and yet you'll never get more than your ankles wet. And the Kansas River is like that, especially in August. It's like you walk across for a long ways and you never get anything more wet than your ankles. And that was the Platte River. Edgar Nye, you don't know Edgar Nye. He lived a long time ago. He was a journalist. He was a humorist. He was such a good writer that most people in the nation followed his, we would call it a blog today. They didn't call it a blog in 1889. In 1889, he was on his way to a place that where he went to work, uh, became a, a writer out in Wyoming. And along the way, he come across the Platte River. And he wrote this, and it went nationwide as he wrote about the Platte River. He wrote this. He wrote, the Platte River is a queer stream. It has a very large circulation, but very little influence. It covers a great deal of ground, but it is not deep. In some places, it is a mile wide and three quarters of an inch deep. What Edgar didn't know when he pinned that and it went national is it would become a famous quote mile wide, inch deep. How many here are familiar with that quote? A mile wide, inch deep. It's not a compliment. It's come to, to last in the political arena, academic circles, they talk about this. When you call somebody a mile wide, inch deep, they know a little about a lot, but not a lot about a few things. It means they're not deep in your understanding. The Christian church can suffer from this, being a mile wide, inch deep. The information age is like no other time in the history of mankind to where you can get all kinds of just blurbs of information that are a mile wide, inch deep. You don't even check, fact check. You don't know, you know, just like thrive off this little stuff and never go deep. We can cover a good deal of ground here in church, but not have depth. When it comes to God, our knowledge of him, our understanding of him, our relationship with him, our faith, we can be a mile wide and inch deep. But there is a place we go where we go deeper, and it's here. And that's what we're gonna talk about for six weeks. The Bible is what we call the primary source of how we go deep with God. This book makes our river of life deeper. So I want you to turn with me, if you have them on your phone or you have a paper copy in your hands, I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Exodus, chapter 33. The book of Exodus is easy. It's the second book into the Bible. Chapter 33. We'll get there in just a moment. I want to share with you a, quote, uh, a great theologian uh, who wrote the book Knowing God. 
His name is J.I. Packer, a great theologian, uh, great writer. He made this quote, I wanna share this quote with you here from J.I. He said, a little knowledge of God is worth more than a great deal of knowledge about him. And what he's sharing here in this, in this statement is that there's a difference between knowing about God and really knowing him. You see, the word knowing, especially when we look at it in the New Testament in the Greek, knowing does not mean this. It does not mean I fill up my head with a bunch of facts about God. That's not what the word know means. In the Greek, the word means to know God is to have a deep relationship, is what is at the root of that word. So to know is, it does use part of this, but it really uses this. This flows into this, and this connects this way. To know is to have a relationship with him and to go deeper. This relationship, we all go through this. Everybody in this room goes through this or should be going through this. This relationship of knowing God, we come alive to God first by his grace. He awakens us. Every one of us in this room, he's awakened us from a state of spiritual death into which every one of us is born. And he awakens us and we receive the eternal life that Jesus offers. All of us make a decision that I want to follow him. And I trust in him for my salvation and we call that new birth. We call that being born again. Coming alive to God, knowing him, knowing deeper is the work of the Holy Spirit. If I do not have the Holy Spirit, and that Holy Spirit comes when I decide to follow Jesus and go on this remarkable journey Without rebirth by the Holy Spirit, a person cannot see, perceive, understand, or know God in his kingdom. Well, you can. You can know it as a bunch of facts. But without the Holy Spirit, we can't know him. So here's our first sermon note together. Our first sermon note together. It's a simple one. It's your take home today. We read the Bible to know God. Week one, we read the Bible to know God. So we say the Bible's revelatory. It reveals him. This book reveals God to us, who he is, like no other. And this is how God begins to draw us into that deeper relationship with him. This is what makes the river deep. I want to share a story here that I think a really neat way of knowing God and it involves Moses. Now many of you know Moses and many of you know what he did, but let me, for those of you who might be newer to the Moses story, it's here in the book of Exodus where you are in chapter 33. Let me paint the picture. God rescues his chosen people, the Israelites, out of Egypt, out of slavery, and he's leading them through the desert. It's really not that far of a journey. He's taking them to a place called the Promised Land, which today we know as Israel. He's landing them there because God is gonna draw all nations to him through this group of people. So these years in the desert, God is shaping them to be the people he wants them to be, so they reflect him. But they end up spending 40 years in the desert because they keep turning away from him. They keep, it's just this cycle, this crazy cycle, 40 years. Moses is their leader. Moses has this job of 1.some million people standing behind me, leading them through this desert to his promised land, so God's mission to all the nations. 
And it's been a rough number of years. So I'm painting the picture here what's going on in, in, in 33. It's been a rough number of years and it culminates in this horrible experience that the people not only turn from God, they end up making a golden calf and worshiping it. How would you feel as Moses? Moses in this script is in crisis. He's leading a bunch of stubborn people and he's wondering if it's over now because this act was pretty bad. God tells him, he says, Moses, I'm still going to lead you in the promised land, but I'm going to send somebody ahead of you to prepare. He's talking about an angel. And God says, right now I'm not going with you because I'm really mad at you. God's holding back his anger on the people. And God says, it might be better if I'm not around you right now. So in this chapter 33, where this tent of the meeting went wherever they went, and there's a place where Moses would go, it was the presence of God. He sees God and talks to God face to face, but it's really not seeing God, it's God's presence comes down, it's in a cloud. God's glory is there, but he doesn't really see God, nobody can see God. And that's where we're at in chapter 33, you ready? So look at this, this is about knowing. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face. Look at this, as one speaks to a friend. Imagine being in God's presence and he's speaking to you as a friend. This is his character. And one day Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, take these people up to the promised land but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. He's just heard it's an angel. You've told me, I know you Moses by name and I look favorably on you. If it is true, the Lord, if you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember, Lord, that this nation is your very own people. And the Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses. And I will give you rest. And everything's going to be fine for you. Then Moses said, well, if you, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this desert place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and on your people if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all the other peoples on earth. And the Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you've asked and I will look favorably on you and I know you by name. So this is an incredible exchange. Moses has, as a leader of the people, a true four-alarm fire dumpster event going on here. And he comes to God in emergency and in crisis. And what's interesting is a thing that comes out of his mouth is, Lord, I have an emergency. It's not what he says. He says, I want to know you. That should just blow us away. 
He doesn't say I have an emergency. He says, I want to know you. The reason he's asking that is because he knows the Lord's ways aren't his ways. He's not understanding why all this spin, why all these things are going on, why people are so stupid sometimes. He gets so frustrated and he's trying to understand. He says, the way I'll understand is if I know you. If I know you, I'll understand what's going on in life. I'll know how to lead. He says, I don't even know who you're sending with me. He's asking, who's this angel? Who, who are you gonna send there? And God says, hey, I'm going with you. It doesn't sell him. He says, hold on a second. If you don't go with me, keep us in the desert. Imagine that, how miserable it is. Keep us in the desert because I'd rather stay here with you than, not, than going to the promised land without you. For your presence is that important. Your presence sets us apart. And God says, Moses, I'm with you. And I know you. A lot of us can, maybe we haven't got a big job like Moses leaving 1.5 million people. A lot of us, like, God, I don't understand. And a lot of times when you and I go to God to talk to him face to face, we go with an emergency where we should be going to him saying, I want to know you. Because do you think if we know him, we probably wouldn't have that many emergencies in our life? Amen? Amen? Because we know who he is, we know how he's in control, we know what our future is, we know what this book says. So I think this is kind of important, a little, a little Bible lesson here that I want to go through is, I think there's, I know there's three ways. There's three ways that God reveals himself to us so we can go deeper. I think it's important we know all three of these. Three ways, it's in your sermon notes here, the first one, we know God. These are three ways that we go deeper in relationship with him. First, we know God indirectly, indirectly through creation. God reveals himself to out, without speaking, but his canvas speaks to us, right? You look at the person next to you, his, created, his greatest creation is the person sitting right next to you. And he reveals himself through that. It's obvious. Do you know when we look at a painting, do you ever wonder, man, who's the artist that did that? Do you ever do that when you look at a sunset? Yeah. Who's the artist? He says it's obvious. Let's go to, let's go to the scripture verse here, Romans 1.20. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God had made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing him. These invisible qualities, when you just look at the sunsets, when you look at the person next to you, they reveal God's might, his intelligence, his detail, his order, his beauty, and his power just by looking. But we know to have a relationship with him, we have to know more. So here's the second thing. We know God not only indirectly through creation, but directly through the Bible. Bible. 
God, through his Holy Spirit, inspired 42 authors to write 66 books covering 2,000 years, and that is what's in here. What's amazing about that is as each author wrote, it added on to the story. The story grew, an essential character of God did not change, the purpose of man stayed true. You got 66 books that all connected over all those years and they all tell the same thing as it progressed. It's not a single book, it's a library. This is a whole library. But it tells a single story of God the creator, of his greatest creation in us, the impact of sin, the rescue of Jesus, and the restoration of all of us, and what heaven will look like, that part of the Bible we're waiting on, that hasn't happened yet. Psalm 19, seven through 10. This is King David writing this. He's writing about God's word. He's writing about something else. The scripture reads, the instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for the living. Reverence for Lord for the Lord is pure and lasts forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. We sang about this. They are sweeter than honey. Even honey dripping from the comb. King David, the author, is using God's word to describe God's word. He's actually describing him. King David describes it, that God's law's word is perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, enduring, true, and righteous. That's all in there. It's also describing God, for it reveals him. For God is perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, enduring, true, and righteous. There's tens of thousands of verses here. I only had on three. It reveals him. So I can go deeper. His primary way of revealing himself is through his word. So not only does God reveal himself indirectly through creation, indirect revelation, directly through the Bible, direct revelation. There's a third way, especially through Jesus. It's called special revelation. Jesus doesn't reflect God. Jesus is God. And everything about Jesus reflect, reflects God exactly. He says, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Let's jump into Hebrews 1 starting in verse one. It says, long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. They wrote this. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance, and through the son, he created the universe. Look at this. The son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command, your version might say, by the mighty power of his word. We know what the God of the universe is exactly like in Jesus. 
It was the final revelation until we stand really face to face one day. We know now how God thinks. We know how he talks. We know how he relates to people. We know how he loves to the point of a death on a cross. Jesus completes that revelation of God. So to know him deeper, know that God reveals himself in three ways. Through creation, through his word, and through Jesus. You know what the cool thing about this is? All three are in here. It talks very deeply about creation over and over. It talks endlessly about God. The whole Old Testament points to Jesus, the whole New Testament reflects on him and the book of Revelation says he's coming back. It's all here. It's all here. We can spend a lot of time in church. We can go to Bible study two, three times even a week. We can share about Jesus to our neighbor. We can tithe greatly. We can even preach good sermons. Sometimes. And still not really know God. We can do all that and still be a mile wide and an inch deep. But this book, the Bible, It can really change us. And it can really help us go deep if we let the Holy Spirit and the community of God work through it in us. Step one is if you don't pick this up every day, start today. Pick it up. Now the number one reason people go away from reading the Bible is they pick it up and they start somewhere like Numbers. Not a good place to start. It's a great book, but a hard place to start but they pick it up and they, they just try to wrestle all on their own. Now it is good to reflect and read scripture on your own, but ladies and gentlemen, we need each other. You sure heard the testimony this morning in the baptism of people that had talked about the people walking with them here in this church and it helped them go deeper. Step one, pick it up, open it. Step two, by the end of the week, have somebody reading it with you. Wrestle with somebody. Sharpen iron. Sit down with somebody. Coffee. We have 30 small groups going that are all wrestling with this stuff and trying to go deeper. If you're not in one of those, you're out there on your own and you'll only read through a few pages and you'll walk away. God gave us community. It's how the Holy Spirit works for all of us. We're gonna give you tips each week. There's two. Start today. Dig in, but by the end of the week, get somebody to sit down with me and say, hey, help me walk through this. Reading the Bible and knowing God deeper should not be a task. It should be an amazing adventure. And when we do it together, we're gonna go deeper. We're gonna get in that river of life and we're gonna go deeper. And we're gonna know him. Which may pose a question, how do I know I know? It's your next sermon note. How do I know? How do we know we know that we're getting deeper? Now I'll give a little credit to J.I. Packer, the guy I quoted at the front. He gives us four ways that I think are written really well. This, this is how I know I know I'm getting deeper in knowing God. The first is we have a great energy for God. There's a difference between being a Christian observer and a Christian traveler. 
The Christian observer sits back, fills her head full of thoughts about the Bible and everything like that, never goes anywhere. The Christian traveler says, I'm looking at this, God, where are we going today? When we have great energy for God, it's the first thing in the morning. We wake up and we're jacked about the day because we know what God can do through us. We know, it's like we start the day ready to go with a great energy for God. He's given us this gift. What are we gonna do with him today? You know what the best evidence of a great energy for God is? The best evidence in your life, in my life, that we have great energy for God it's our prayer life. It's how I talk to God face to face. It's how I talk to God in community. A great energy of God is a prayer life that from the minute you wake up says, God, I'm ready. That's a prayer that has energy. I'm ready, where are we going? Not only do we know, we know because we have great energy. J.R. Packer would say the next way we know that we know is we have great thoughts about God. When we really know God, we think about him differently. We don't think of this old guy with a white beard sitting up there with a magnifying glass, zapping ants all the time, who's wrathful and angry. We know the God of the Bible who loves us and wants to know us. When he knows us, he wants us to know him. When we really know God, we think about him differently. We praise him when we're in the heart of storm. We trust him when I don't understand. There's a lot of that going on in here and he always comes through. You know what the best evidence of great thoughts, that we're having great thoughts about God? You know what the best evidence that is? It's your prayer life. It's like every day I'm having a face-to-face meeting with him in the tent of meeting. Every day I'm looking at him saying, God, you are amazing what you do. And I want to know you more fully. Pray like that. Those are great thoughts. Third thing, great energy, great thoughts. We have great contentment in God. When we know God, we have great contentment. We go back to Moses and God in the tent in the meeting after they talk about how do I know you and God says, I know you, But God tells Moses, in knowing him, you will have rest. When I know God, I have peace. When I know God, no matter what the circumstances that happen today, I know I'm okay. I'm going to be okay. Worst thing that happens to me today is I die and I'm in glory. And that's my best day. In great contentment, I'm not chasing the world. I'm not locked up with a huge workload. I'm not absent from my family. I'm not absent from this community. I'm content. We're content. Do you know what the best evidence of a great contentment is? There's a pattern here. It's our prayer life. Our prayer life, how we speak to God, shows that contentment That contentment says, God, in this, I'm good. I trust you. Might be hard. Might be great. I'm okay. We're okay. Last one, fourth one. How do we know we know? 
great energy, great thoughts, great contentment. We have a great boldness for God. When we know God, we're fearless in a world filled with fear. I've read the last chapter of the Bible. It's okay. We actually do great. We win. Have you read that last chapter? And because of that, I have great boldness each day. I'm not afraid. I trust him. We have a vision statement here at our church. We live it every day. We believe it. We talk about it. First, our vision statement here is be bold, love loud, engage deeply. It's all about the Bible. First two words, be bold. Be bold. People that know God are bold. Do you know what the best evidence of a great boldness is? <laughs> you guys are getting it. I hope you on online are typing that every time. Our prayer life says, in the morning, as it says, God, let's go. Our prayer life in the morning says, God, I'm putting on my chest waders and I'm gonna walk out there in the world with you in the muck and in the mire and I'm okay with it because you, like with Moses, are with me. Father, I don't wanna go out there without you. I'm putting on my chest waders with boldness because I know you're with me every day. When you look at that whole list, how do we know we know? It all starts here. Mile wide, mile deep. That's what we want to be. Speaking of great boldness, we have four people today that are really getting to know God through his son Jesus. And they're declaring that. We had two in the first service. We have two sharing with us. Let me share with you the, uh, the gospel of John chapter 17, verse three. It said, and this is a way to have eternal life, to know you, to know you. The only true God, good, he is good, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. Today, with great boldness, these four beautiful souls are declaring their faith in Jesus and the way to Father, to the Father, and the way to eternal life. And they're doing that through baptism. We share that it's a, an outward expression of an inward change in us, knowing God through Jesus. In baptism, we step forth and we say that, hey, I am publicly declaring I'm a follower of Jesus. And on this day, we say it's like driving a stake in the ground, saying I have this now as a reference point. I'm his. Like sometimes we sway on the path after that, but we always have this reference point. The day I gave my life to Christ. We have two people, four all together today, making this bold, bold and brave decision. Come on up and join us. Would you welcome up Lex and Adeline? Now what's going to happen here is, is, is we do immersion baptism. It's symbolic. And what it is when we go into the water, this river of life, we're going deep. 
When we get into the water, we share with Jesus in his death and resurrection. What we're doing is when we're immersed in the water, we're leaving symbolically our old self behind. We're being washed clean, which only Jesus does through the blood of the cross. And when we rise up, we rise up new. We're clothed new. It says we're clothed like Christ in the scripture. And then what do we do when they rise up out of the water? We go crazy because the Bible tells us that in heaven, the angelic host rejoices. I want to use the word parties. <laughs> when one person repents their sin and comes to Jesus. And we want to shout as loud as them, right? So we shout and we go crazy about that. So let's start. Today we're starting with Lex. Would you guys invite Lex and joining with me is Sherry. We have been on this journey with Lex. It's bold, and I'm so excited she's here today. I'll let Lex share with you what's on her heart today. Um, I've known this was right for quite some time now, but the devil had me convinced I wasn't worth such grace. He had me covered in shame, and at times in heavy isolation to keep me from the truth. The thought of spiritual warfare here recently also almost had me defeated. The thought of the devil trying his hardest to drag me from my point of reference scared me. I then remembered the footprints in the sand poem and how the Lord replied, the places where you see one pair of prints is where I carried you. And I realized a fight with the devil was not something I'm new to. In my 28 years of life, I've overcame addiction, the loss of a child in and out of incarceration in toxic relationships and I've gone through all of this into the woman God intended me to be. Amen. And those fights with the devil only made me stronger, strong enough to handle anything he throws at me and I have the support of my church and my family and with that I am ready to be born again. Go ahead and sit down there and grab your elbow with that hand. My elbow? Oh. And then your nose. Okay. Lex, we have this point of reference every day now, right? Yeah. So get ready for the next attack. He'll probably come stronger, but you have the same community around you that's been walking. Stick with your community and we'll stick with you because God never leaves you. So proud of you today. You know, and based upon your profession of faith in Jesus Christ, we now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I cannot stress the importance enough of community, walking with people, and it's one of the reasons we celebrate here today, amen? I wanna share with you the next brave soul. This is Adeline. Would you welcome Adeline down into the water? And Adeline's mom and dad, Sarah and Andy are joining us. Adeline, you wanna share with us? 
Um, I've been having a feeling to do this for quite some time now, but I've been scared. <laughs> um, but it was a gut feeling that this is something that I really, really needed to do, so I decided to do it. Okay, I'm going to have a seat right there. Now grab your elbow there. Got it. Alan, thanks for being brave today. This is a great journey, and we're there with you all the way, okay? And based upon your profession of faith, it's been a great journey listening to you and your love for Jesus. And today, I'm glad you're declaring that publicly. So in response to your profession of faith, we now baptize you in the name of the Father, His Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit who will walk with you every day of your life. One thing that we like to do because it takes a while to fill this up and it takes a while to get it warm is that we want to make sure that if any of you today that you feel the Holy Spirit saying, I have no excuse for sitting in my seat today and I've never taken this first step. I've never got in front of people and said, I'm not ashamed. And today I want to declare my faith that I want to follow Jesus. We will baptize you in your clothes. We'll dry you off. Happens here a lot. But we want to give you that opportunity Today, do not leave here and regret walking back out the door. If he's been drawing you, today's the day. And we would love to baptize you. Is there anybody here today that wants to get in the water and go deeper? Tim, would you share with us why you're jumping in the river today? Uh, I've done this plenty of times before, but every time I came out of the water, I always bring something with me. This time, it's going down and it's not coming back out. Amen. Okay, Tim, have a seat right there. All right, I need help. He's a big guy. <laughs> All right, Tim, grab onto this elbow here. Tim, we've been on this journey with you and we want you to leave it all in the water this time too. We want you to be strong. I see you guys getting stronger every time. So this profession we, we want to stick to. Yeah. All right? And we're there for you as we've always been along the way. Tim, based upon your profession of faith in your Lord and Savior, upon your profession of faith that you know how he can cleanse, and now through his Holy Spirit, he can give you strength for every day ahead. We now baptize you in the name of the Father, his Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit who will give you strength each day. <laughs>
So again, is there anybody else ready today? You know, some of us are at a point where we're wrestling with this for a number of reasons. Might have been baptized as an infant, might have been... If you're in your seat struggling with, did I do it right? Should I have it done? Things like that. Would you fill out that connect card right there on our worship guide today and say, hey, would you walk with me about baptism? Would you sit down and talk with me? We would love the day that, you, that you're baptized that you want to run in and jump in the water nobody's going to stop you. And sometimes it takes community coming around walking through it and talking about it. We're going to have another one shortly here in about a month or so because we had a soldier go out to training that wanted to be baptized today. So we'll have another one here soon. We'll have room for you. But we also have room today. So I don't want to hesitate. We normally wait 20 minutes <laughs> or so. Okay. This is a time of offering. And we're going to pray for this offering. The first offering is these people here that we're walking with. They're offering. As they follow Jesus, we need to come alongside them now because the enemy will come after them and try to distract them away. Any more than more than ever now they need community so come around and cheer them on pray for them but offering today is also saying what is it about God's word that I need to change today maybe your biggest offering is I'm going to open that book up and I'm going to ask somebody to walk with me and read it and understand it so I quit walking through the water around my ankles I want to go deep let's pray for that type of offering today Heavenly Father Lord thank you Father, thank you for the beautiful souls that are so brave today and so bold that have stepped up here. And Father, we pray that you keep the enemy at bay from them. We'll let the community come around, just encourage them. For Lex and Patrick and Christine and Alan, just, and for Tim, that it's under this community and the power of the Holy Spirit that we're strong. Father, it's your strength through us. Father, continue them in a great plan that you have for them. Have them go deep and community and get to know you. Father, for the rest of us, a big offering today is, is that I need to get into the book. I, I want to know you. I'm tired of a mile wide inch deep. And Father, bring to mind somebody through your spirit who can walk with me. We have 30 classes going on and, and all these groups and people meet for coffee. We're, we are growing and going deeper. We want everybody on board because the world out there needs this. There's so many that do not know God the Father, Jesus the Son, or the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, if I'm in the Bible all the time, but I'm not walking with somebody, I'm not pouring into somebody, would you bring to mind somebody today that I can walk with, I can engage deeply? Father, rise up your church. This world needs you to hear these stories. This water can be splashing all the time if your church is, is mobilized. We're mobilized because at first we love what we see in the word. So Father, help us go deeper as a church. Let us impact this community and this world in a special way. We pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus, our Lord, our Savior. Amen.